0: Welcome to our Pride season series of podcasts. I'm Daniel Goering. I'm a partner and I head up the Pensions Practice at, at Travis Smith and I chair our LGBT network. I'm really delighted to be joined today by my former colleague, Katie Hyams, who is now at the London Metal Exchange and my friend Zoe Birdo from LCP. And we're gonna be talking more in this session about LGBT plus inclusion We're gonna be touching on what is known by some as the double glazed glass ceiling before moving on to the slightly more positive topic of allyship and anything else that our panelists would like to get off their chest today. So without further ado, I'm going to ask Katie first and then Zoe to introduce themselves. Tell tell us a bit about about themselves and why they're here today. Um, So Katie, if you'd like to start, please.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you, um, Daniel. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this. So I had a pretty traditional upbringing. I grew up in Manchester um, in a kind of a Jewish middle class family. Um, I was allowed in terms of careers. My my parents were very keen that I chose whatever career I wanted, provided that was medicine or law. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and so ultimately, I, I did kind of follow uh, the path set for me and I, I became a lawyer. Uh, and i worked in private practice for eight years and um it was actually when my wife first got pregnant that we decided between us that we wanted to raise our our child uh, our children as um you know in an in an equal partnership and i and i felt that that was probably not going to be something that I would be able to do if I stayed a private practice, and so hence, kind of moved in house to get a little bit more balance. My wife's a doctor, and so we both had worked very hard to kind of achieve the careers that uh, we had. Um, and and to be honest, we we live a, a very boring life. We live in a little West London bubble. And um, everybody around us are doctors and lawyers. Our, our kids go to a local school. And I sometimes forget that there's anything different about our family that um, compared to any of the other families, actually. Um, I mean, I did when I first came out to my parents, I was 22. So I know for some that's kind of a little bit late in the game, took a little bit of time for them to get their heads around it. But actually, I was I was really lucky. My brother and sister were huge advocates for me. Um, And we lived in a very metropolitan um, community in Manchester in the 90s was actually very sort of forward-thinking and my parents were not homophobic per se. It was just when it was their own child that they sort of had a little bit of trouble with it. But now, you know, my parents are, are wonderful grandparents. They love my girls. You know, there's no difference between the way they treat them and they, they treat their other grandchildren. So, um, yeah, life is life is kind of wonderfully boring, actually, at the moment.
0: So yeah, I sometimes wouldn't mind a bit of wonderfully boring. That sounds <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: COVID quite, quite aside, awesome. obviously.
0: <laughs> right, thanks, Casey. Um, how about how about you, Zoe?
2: Thanks, Daniel, and um, yeah, thanks for for inviting me on. I'm I'm really excited about this uh, this chat. I think it's a good one to be having. Um, my name is Zoe Burdo. Um, I work as uh, an actuary uh, in pensions. I'm sure that not not everyone will be familiar with what that means, but it means that I do a lot of calculations and numbers and consulting. And um, I'd like to describe it as a fortune, fortune-telling statistician, um, if you will. So I, I promise it's more interesting than it sounds. <laughs> <That's funny>. um, <laughs> you, might, you might tell from my accent, um, I didn't grow up in the UK. Um, I'm originally from a very small Ah, uh, town in the middle of rural Western New York State in the U.S. Um, I grew up um, in a bit of a, a kind of traditional family, but with a lot of challenges, um, a lot of mental mental health um, challenges in in my family, and and physical disability. Um, I did my undergrad in. Uh, in Ohio, so went from rural to even more rural. Uh, My university was literally in the middle of a cornfield. The the university had a lot of cornfields that kind of
0: went around the campus.
2: Um, I did a a study abroad in London for my third year. I think realized how much of the world I had been missing out on and how much of myself I had been hiding um, up until that point uh, and haven't really looked back. Uh, finished my degree in in Ohio and then um, came to London and and I've been here for I guess about a about a decade now I started my career uh, with a in a big um, corporate consultancy uh, which is really great experience kind of technically and and in terms of kind of qualifying as as an actuary and uh, doing a lot of learning, meeting a lot of great people. Um, I moved to LCP about three years ago. Uh, we are a smaller partnership um, and it is a, just a different uh, environment. And, I, and I'm lucky enough to be very heavily involved in the diversity and inclusion work that, that we do. And so I kind of get to split my time between the technical stuff and the, the stuff that I'm really passionate about, um, which is really talking about, about these issues.
0: Great, thank you, Zoe. And uh, yeah, LCP and Travis Smith have worked together on quite a few things actually, which has been which has been great. It's one of the nice things in the DNI space that um, unlike lots of areas, it's a it's a space I think where different organizations, whether they're in competition or not, are much more prepared to share best practice and, and work together to try and, and move the dial. Um, to move on then to talk a little bit about what I mentioned um, at the beginning around this kind of concept of a double glazed glass ceiling which I think was a um, something I first ho- heard of at least from Stonewall many years ago though um, but sadly perhaps something that hasn't changed as much as we would like it to the concept kind of really being that um, women are still underrepresented in senior roles in in many many um, walks of life um, but then sort of adding to that um, the sort of compounding effect of, of perhaps being a a lesbian or a, a, a bi woman um, or a trans woman and I guess um, I was just wondering what observations you had on that um, each of you from a sort of personal experience but also just from um, you know, looking at society and being involved in this kind of of work.
1: Um, I'm happy to to go first with my thoughts. Um, I, I have to say, I suppose, fortunately, I've I've never experienced the the double glazed glass ceiling. I think certainly the glass ceiling uh, feels present, um, and I and I think we see in all areas of professional life. Certainly, within kind of the financial services industry, there is a massive disparity between the proportions of women in kind of senior roles. Um, and I think that for me has always been um, more of a concern than the fact I'm gay. Now, perhaps I uh, I present kind of very feminine. Uh, I don't necessarily wear my gayness on my sleeve. I am out and I talk about my wife all the time. But just by looking at me and, and kind of seeing me, you wouldn't necessarily know. So I don't know for those um people who perhaps are visibly um, more or it is, it is more of it kind of visible, perhaps they appear more butch or something that could potentially uh, increase that double glass glazed, uh, sorry, that double glazed glass ceiling. But, but it's never actually been my experience. And I think in some ways it, it's almost been the opposite. Um, I have two children, but I've never been on maternity leave. So I've never had that stigma of having to come back to work and people assuming that I need to leave early for my kids um I think I've also been hugely fortunate that I have had a lot of female bosses um, and that uh, female bosses who've really championed me and, and I think I have I have hugely benefited from that now again my experience could have been different uh, if I had had different bosses or bosses who and um, perhaps had not had children and not understood that that, that the commitment Um, so that I think is uh is kind of a, a real positive now I guess the one area where I can imagine it could be difficult is how comfortable you are or how comfortable one is in coming out to clients or people outside of the business and that is still something I struggle with so people in, for example, trade associations who I work with very, very closely, um, I might talk about my children, but I will not always talk about my wife. And and I have had them often refer to my husband, and I and I do find it a little bit difficult whether to correct them, um, mainly because I don't want to offend them and I don't want to sort of damage that relationship. And obviously, if you create that barrier, then that will necessarily um, damage those relationships and could impede your career. So I, I can understand how how that could uh, could be a difficulty.
0: Yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Something we've talked about over the years, isn't it, Katie? When you know yeah. when we used to work together as well, is that sort of concept of, you know, how far down the tracks do you have to have gone before you can kind of, kind of easily correct it. So sometimes it's worse if you haven't had an opportunity to tell someone early on, and then it kind of goes goes on for a bit, and then yeah. it feels even worse telling them, and. Uh, I think you know that's something we've all, well, certainly I've I've experienced as as well um, and have had to get over um with some clients as it's just become increasingly obvious that I really ought to tell them rather than have them find out from Twitter or something else. Um so what about you?
2: Yeah, um I think it's really important to acknowledge privilege here, of which I'm aware that I have quite a bit um as a cis white able-bodied woman. Um, I, I find that it's been really interesting for me since getting engaged to my partner and having people kind of ask about things like family plans. Um, something I never kind of thought that I would be asked because you wouldn't necessarily ask a someone in a in a heterosexual um, relationship is that kind of, who's going to carry? Um, And it's really been very eye-opening about the assumptions that people make about the link between having children and giving up your career, Um, and the ways that people react differently to me when I say, oh, well, my partner uh, is planning on on carrying in, in the first instance, and they almost have a relief. Oh, so you're not giving up your career are you and it's given me a lot of insight I think into that you know glass ceiling and and some of the challenges that women face because for some reason it it seems okay to disclose them to me and in that conversation or I think that people show a lot of their biases you know in those conversations without realizing that they do um I think the the thing about a glass ceiling is that you kind of it's very kind of visceral, isn't it? You kind of imagine bumping up against it. You know, you're going at high speed and you crash into this glass ceiling. I think for me and for a lot of women that I know and, and LGBT women that, that I know, I think it's more that you don't know where that ceiling is and you can't see it. So you kind of, you think that you're you're progressing at, at a similar pace to to other people. And um, I really don't feel that my my career has been impacted to date um, kind of by by my identities um, but I do think that there is a point where especially for people who step forward and advocate for other people and advocate for LGBT rights and and other kind of diversity and inclusion um, areas that it does at some point in time kind of come back um, to potentially limit you, um, I'm very lucky to be at an organization that fully embraces this as you know core to its strategy. And um, but but that's not always the case. Um, I think it's something that I, I I saw a statistic, and I'm not going to be able to to quote it exactly, but something like um, white straight cis men tend to be um, to be rewarded. For promoting diversity and inclusion, and anyone who is not that tends to uh, be kind of hampered by that. And I think that that's really important for people to remember. Um, part of that is probably judgment from other people, but also just the emotional energy and the toll it takes to to be having these conversations, um, and that it is you know it is def- difficult to put yourself out there. Um, not sure that really answered the question, but some thoughts at least.
0: I think it absolutely answers the question. I mean, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I think, um, you know, it's the uh, the question of privilege is 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 an important one. We could have a whole podcast around, but I think, you know, my kind of take on it is that it's it's super important that we we acknowledge our privilege, but it is also important that we take stock of areas where even where we are privileged, we still um, might come up against um, hurdles and um, where we need to be conscious about the hurdles that other people can can um, come up against. Even when on the face fits, it seems like they've, they've got a lot going for them. And I think the point around, you know, that statistic, which I, which I recognise and also can't recall, um, is an interesting one. I mean, I certainly have been told m- on more than one occasion that I perhaps ought to be doing a bit less of the gay stuff. Um, as I progressed up through my career, um, and they weren't talking about me; they were talking about my advocacy of, of other people. And by gay, they meant lots of other things as well as, as gay, I suspect. Um, but um, you know, that's that, that's that, that's something just I think to to reflect on. Um, the family issue is also quite, also a very interesting one. Um, um, I, I mean, uh, hearing from Katie ar- around that that point um, regarding being happy talking about your kids but not always necessarily wanting to sort of come out in relation to your partner is is another one which sort of you know rings true from lots of conversations i've had um over over the years with with people in similar in similar situations and of course now with family leave as it as it sort of unravels a bit and men are it's becoming more possible for men to take time off even in traditional relationships i think some of these some of these discussions are beginning to be turned on the head a little bit, which is, a, I suspect, a, a very good thing for all of us. So um, just before we finish, I did um, promise we'd have a little positive discussion around allyship, which I always think is is um, a good thing, um, because hopefully we've got lots of allies listening to this um, podcast, as well as members of, of the LGBT um, community. So what I'll ask is um, a simple a simple question, which is, I'm sure you are both allies to lots of people. Um, you've both got successful careers, and you've you've I've both I've seen both of you demonstrate amazing amazing things in those careers. What would you um, give to someone who um, is perhaps a bit um, earlier on in their career as a piece of advice around the way in which they could use allyships and uh, allyship and allies to help them? Um, advance their career and and advance their their lives. So what's your top tip around allyship? Zoe, do you want to start this time on this one?
2: Yeah, happy to. Um, I guess I've got two quick things to say. One on being an ally. Um, I can't stress enough the importance of using inclusive and gender neutral language Um, I didn't introduce myself with my pronouns but I use she her Um, put your pronouns in your email signature Um, you know make sure that you are are using gender neutral language because people will do it back to you and it sets a you know it sets a really good environment and expectation of other people in terms of using allies around you, don't be afraid to get involved. I think some of the biggest career opportunities I've had are because I put myself forward for something um, and I had a personal conversation with someone um, and kind of in in me sharing my personal stories, it it opened up you know different opportunities and um, connections and networking. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to to talk about these things.
1: Um, I think that sounds like really good advice. Um, I think in terms of being an ally, um, it's really important to know the smallest of gestures can have some of the most powerful impacts. We recently had a town hall, an internal town hall, where both our CEOs gave a presentation. And one of the CEOs was wearing a little pride flag um, pin, and we'd kind of given these out as part of our pride week. And no one had told him to. Um, uh, and it was amazing. Everybody saw it. I had all of these WhatsApp coming in going, oh, my goodness, this is this is fantastic. And it was a, t- a really, really small gesture, but it was powerful and it just gave such a strong message. So I think anybody, no matter how junior you are, demonstrating that you are an ally, no matter how small, that gesture is incredibly powerful. And I think in terms quickly just of using allies to to kind of progress your your career or to um, be able to capitalize on opportunities. Um, I think most people want to be an ally, but they just don't know how. And I think actually in some ways educating people, bringing people in and saying to them, we know that you are not homophobic, biphobic, transphobic, but please demonstrate that. And actually having that voice and, and talking to people, I think, demonstrates that you have got a lo- lot of courage as an individual.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that's great. Um... I think that's great advice i think the one the one thing that i would um would add um around allyship and it kind of crosses over with role modeling as well is that um people often don't feel qualified um to be allies or indeed and, and and often feel uncomfortable with being identified as a role model i know i did for a very long time um, despite um, the best efforts of lots of people to persuade me that that was um, not sort of big-headed or 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 anything else, um, so I think you know also there's there's an upwards management and empowerment piece for for us and as both Zoe and Katie have said, you know don't be afraid to to be an ally and don't be afraid to to seek to seek one out. Right, so we have run out of time there. Um, these things always go too quickly, but um, I'd like to thank. Both Katie and Zoe, very much indeed, again, for giving up their time to do this, for sharing their insights and their experience. And um, I hope you've enjoyed listening. Thanks very much.